The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. All right, church, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Jude. And if you're trying to find that, just turn all the way to the right-hand side of your Bible, the last book in the Bible. It's the book of Revelation. And if you just back up one book, you will find it. I would say turn to Jude, whatever chapter, but there's only one chapter in Jude. So today we're going to look at verse 20 through verse number 23. So Jude and those verses. While you're finding your place there, let me just give you a couple of announcements to remember for this week. First of all, the church office will be closed tomorrow. And so, as I said last week, if you have a family emergency or crisis, if you'll just hold that off till Tuesday, that would be great. And uh, no, I'm just kidding with you. We're here to serve, but the office will be closed tomorrow. And then this coming Wednesday night, we start back our Wednesday evening dinners and uh, Wednesday evening Bible study. And uh, our dear sister that makes the uh, great chef salads that in the fall you found were great addition to the uh, menu. She will be on vacation for the next couple of weeks. So for the next two Wednesday nights, uh, the opportunity or the availability to have uh, the chef salad will not be uh, there for you. And so they say that uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. So hopefully in a couple of weeks when that is offered to you again, you'll want to pick right back up on that. And of course, all of you going into the new year on your diets, and your exercise programs, you'll want to make plans to be there for that. Wednesday night, we will uh, commence our Wednesday evening Bible study at 6.30. And uh, so I think for the month of January, uh, I'm going to teach just a little bit on Wednesday nights about some uh, basic helps and tips for how to study the Bible. I find that this time of year, many Christian folks... um, uh, embark on reading the Bible through in a year or studying a particular uh, passage of the Bible. And so I'll just take a little bit of time on Wednesday nights through January to help you at 630 uh, to learn how to study the Bible uh, appropriately so that you can understand what it means in its context and then how to apply that to your life. Jude verse number 20. Let me read these few verses for us. We'll go to the Lord in prayer and see what God has for us today. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life, and have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire, and of some... Have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. We won't be touching on these last two verses today, but these are a few of my uh, favorite verses. Not my totally favorite ones, but a few of my favorite verses in the New Testament. So if you don't mind, I'll just read 24 and 25 as well, although we'll not get to them today. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful passage of Scripture? 
So what I want to do now is I'm going to uh, bow and pray for us. But uh, Christian, if you're here today, uh, as I begin, I'm going to have a moment of silence. And that's an opportunity for you to quiet your heart. And if you haven't prayed this week, just take a moment and pray and ask the Lord to help you, to strengthen you, to open your mind, and to help you to focus on His Word. And so uh, don't worry about that silence there. Use that silence for a moment to just kind of center your heart on Christ and His Word. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, and maybe you're a little skeptical and say, I'm not a believer in all of that, now that's fine. Why don't you just use the quiet moment just to kind of calm your heart and uh, focus your mind not on everything that's going to happen the rest of today and the rest of this week, but what's happening right in front of you right now. So let's go to the Lord. Father God, we do come to You again, and we thank You for this time together. And in that brief silence, there are some in this room that are wondering if You're real, and if You're there, and if You hear and care. I pray that You would teach them that You are, and that Your Son is good, and that He really did live and die and be raised again from the grave to purchase our redemption from our sin, to keep us from hell, and to give us eternal life here and now. I pray for believers in this room that our lives, our minds would begin this Sunday, the first day of the year, the first day of the week, silent before You, knowing that we need You for all of life. And we will thank You for all that You've done and will do even through this passage today. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. As we get started in verse number 20 this morning, let me remind you all of our children that your workers are at the back and Children's Church will be going on now, so please make your way back there. Let's pick up again in verse number 20 and read with me. I'll split the sermon just into a couple of portions today. I'm going to read down and make some comments uh, through these verses. And then I'll come back and give you a few points for today. So, verse number 20 reads this way, But you, beloved... And you'll notice, look back if you will at verse number 3 in this text of Jude. He says, Now beloved, while I was making every effort... And then again you'll find in verse number 17, But you, beloved... Alright? And then you find again in verse number 20, But you, beloved... He is speaking here... Uh, to believers that are in the church and they are dealing with all kinds of hardships and problems and pain. And so he's writing to them. And please do not just kind of gloss over the word beloved in this passage. It is an endearing term. This goes all the way back into the New Testament. When Jesus is there at His baptism, He said, the Father says from heaven, as the Holy Spirit descends upon His Son, this is My beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And when God the Father makes that declaration of His Son, that is extending all the way back into the Old Testament when King David, who was the promised, um, the promised king of Israel from the tribe of Judah, he has a son and the rightful heir to the throne of David is Solomon. And King David calls Solomon his 
beloved. In fact, you'll find there's a book in the Old Testament, the Song of Solomon, where it says, I am my beloved and my beloved is mine in reference to uh, Solomon himself. And so when the Father makes this declaration about the Lord Jesus Christ, that He is the beloved Son, He is not just saying some flowery kind words about Jesus. He is saying, no, I am declaring to you today that this is the promised Messiah that would come from the line of David, that would come from the tribe of Israel, or from the tribe of Judah, from the line of Israel. This is the promised Messiah who would rule and reign, purchase redemption for His people, and establish His kingdom in all the earth. And when you come to Jude and verse number 20, then you see that we are now included this, but you, beloved, it is not just a kindly word to believers, but it is saying we have a stake and a part in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the chosen people of God. We are reigning and ruling with the chosen Messiah, the One who has promised to come. Amen? You start off this year not just simply as some marginalized person that attends a church every now and then. You start this year as the beloved child of God, heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, who is your brother, the same one who died and rose again and lives forever with glory and power and strength. He lives in you. Now you walk high this week with that in your heart. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. The word here, building, is a compound word. Well, actually, it's a tripart word, but it means to build on something that the foundation has already been laid. This building up yourselves upon your most holy faith. You see, if we are have the responsibility, and the word to build here is in the active sense, and it is in your lap. Yes, you as a believer are to be actively involved in building yourself up in the Christian faith. There's tons of Scriptures that speak about what God has done for us and what Christ has done for us and what the Spirit does for us. And yea, it is the Lord at work in us. But rest assured on this new day of the year, you have the responsibility before the Lord to build yourself up in your most holy faith. And can I just pause for one moment and say this. If you're going to build the building of the work or if you're going to build the superstructure of your Christian life, you must build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. Amen? If you're in this room today with us and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are building your life on sinking sand. You are building your life on a foundation that is wonky. Can I say that? Somebody who has laid the foundation of your life has not laid it straight, has not laid it plumb, has not set the footers correctly, nor laid the foundation in a good way. And if your foundation is laid upon your effort and your ability and your family and your background and what you can accomplish, in the end, your structure will fall when the storms of life come or when you face God in the eternity to come. Yes, we have the responsibility to build ourselves in the Christian life, and we'll get to that in a moment. But I want to say, I want to say firmly 
and clearly to every person present today, you cannot build the Christian life unless you are building on the foundation of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There is no other foundation that must be laid than this, Christ Jesus. And some people build upon that foundation gold and silver and precious stones, and some people build wood, hay, and stubble. But how tragic and how problematic would it be for you to live your whole life thinking that you were a good person, thinking that when you compared yourself horizontally to all the other family and friends and co-workers in your life, that somehow your superstructure, your building was good and ready to go and could withstand anything, and then come to the earthquake that is the end of the world and stand before the God of heaven and realize in that moment that all that you had built comes to naught and it is destroyed and eternity of judgment waits for you. Why? Because you didn't begin at the right place. I want to encourage all of you today, if you do not know Jesus Christ as the very foundation and Lord of your life, begin there. Don't begin with the walls. Don't begin with all the bathrooms and the kitchens. Don't begin with the roof. Begin with the foundation. You say, Steve, how do I begin on that foundation? I would say today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, confess your sin. Turn from yourself. Look yourself in the proverbial mirror and realize that you are making a mess out of your life. Your own conscience, when you hear the Word of God, convicts you down in your soul. And no matter whether you're 70 or 80 or 6 or 9 or 15 or 25, if you have not trusted Jesus, you know in your heart that you're a sinner against God and your life is going the wrong direction. Throw all of that to the wind. Throw all of your cares out and fall upon the mercy of Jesus and plead this morning for Jesus to have mercy on you and to save you and to give you new and eternal life. Amen? You can do that right where you are right now, even as I continue to speak. If you don't know Jesus and you want Him to be the Lord of your life and the foundation, call on Him. And He will save you. Building yourselves up. Notice the preposition here. On your most holy faith. The word holy here means to be separate or distinct or as you've heard me coin this word before, otherness. And if you want to see what holiness and otherness truly is, just read the Sermon on the Mount and find that when somebody slaps you on the cheek, you are to, you are to take it and offer them the other cheek. You say, that's completely other. That's different. That is so foreign to the way that I live. That's right. That's what holiness is. It is the otherness of God. It is this distinct separation from the rest of the world. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Now the word faith here is not speaking so much of the faith that we put in the Lord Jesus as it is the collective faith of Christianity. The body of work that we believe. The Word of the living God. The truth that has been given to us time and again throughout history. Look back at verse number 3 and you'll notice what it is. 
Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt necessary to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. We, beloved, are to build ourselves up in the Christian faith, the Word of God, and the truths of Scripture. I won't ask you to turn there today, but let me read this passage of Scripture for you in Colossians chapter number 2, verse number 6 and 7. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him. Do you see there? The foundation is Christ, but we build up in the faith. We receive the Lord Jesus Christ and now we walk in Him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowed with gratitude. My dear friends, I want to say to you, verse number 20 teaches us that we are to build ourselves up in the Christian faith once delivered to the saints the Word of God and the truths that come from your church. We do it individually in our own lives and we do it collectively as the body of Christ. In a moment, I'll get to an application point for us today from that. But let me move quickly here to the second one. Look at verse number 20 again. Not only are we to build, but we are to pray. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. In fact, let me read for you Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 18 and following. You don't need to turn there. You can pick it up at another time. But listen to this. Praying in the Holy Spirit with all prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the Gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Oftentimes before I preach, I will read those verses to myself, praying and seeking that the Lord would give me boldness and grace and power to speak His wonderful Word to His people and to those who are lost. Notice back in Jude in verse number 20, he says we are to build ourselves up in the most holy faith and we are to pray in the Holy Spirit. Can I say to you maybe as a premature application to us today, you never pray alone. As a believer, every time you go to the Lord in prayer, the Spirit of God is with us. And He is praying for us. He is praying with us. He is praying in us. And even when we don't know how to pray, even when our hearts are so overwhelmed with problems that all we can do is groan, the Spirit of God takes even the groanings of our heart and ascends them into glory to the Father and prays on our behalf. I want to say to everyone 
in this room as you get ready to embark on the new year as a believer. Don't ever think that just because somebody has a good voice in church or as you've heard me say before, some deacon Moses gets up and he's got all the flowery words. God does not care whether you have flowery words. God does not care how much of a grasp you have on the English language. What God cares about is that you pour out your heart in prayer to Him and you pray in the Holy Spirit of God with Him and in Him and for Him and to Him. Pray. Pray. Verse number 21. We are to build. We are to pray. We are to keep. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, you see the comma there, so I'll get to the, the latter part of the sentence in verse 21. kind of gives you a way to do that. But lest for a moment you think that this is some sort of work salvation, I want you to notice how this is, um, how, how this uh, commandment here to keep yourselves in the love of God is kind of couched in between the very work of God. So notice in verse number 24, the repetition of the keep you, right? Verse number 24, now to Him, that is God, now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Look back, if you would, at verse number 1 of this same chapter. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are the called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. So yes, the command comes down to us that we are to keep ourselves, we are to guard ourselves, we are to spend time staying in the love of Jesus. But as you spend your life staying in the love of Jesus, please understand that on either side of that, you are resting in the work of God Almighty who Himself is keeping us in His own hand. Amen? I love it when the Lord Jesus speaks to His disciples and He says to these floundering, fledgling, crying band of brothers who are scared to death that He's going to go to the cross and not rule. Jesus says to them in John chapter number 17, uh, You are in Me and I am in the Father. It is as if there is a trifold protection around the believer's life that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit keep and guard us. And at the same time, how are we to keep ourselves in the love of God? Turn back to verse number 21 and see the end of the sentence. Waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal to eternal life. Let me read this for you. Uh, Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 11 and following. Again, if you need these in the future, I'll be glad to give them to you, but just listen to the Word of God. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession, zealous for good deeds. You want to know how you keep yourself in the love of God? By 
waiting anxiously for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When your heart every day, when you get up and you say, man, I can't wait for Jesus to come. I want the Lord to come back. When you do that with an honest and a humble heart, you'll get up every day and you'll want to live a holy and a righteous and a godly life because He might come back today. I want to encourage you this new year. Don't be one of those date setters. Okay, I don't think Jesus is coming back on May 21st. But be the kind of person that wakes up every day and in your heart, run to the window and see if He'll come back today. Live, let that hope rush over your soul that no matter what this last year has brought you and no matter what you face this new year, there will come a day when Christ will come again and make all things right. Won't you live your life this year looking and waiting and longing for the mercy of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? It will change the way that you live. It will transform you from the inside out if you wake up every day and say, Lord, Your Son may come today. Help me to live my life with that in view. Let me give you one last one, and then we'll give a few application points. Notice the repetition in verse number 22 and 23 of the word mercy. You're going to notice in verse number three, there are 23, there are about three groups of people here. I'll try and point those out. Verse number 22, and have mercy on some who are doubting. There's the first group. There are groups of people who are doubting. I want to say to you, there are believers in Jesus who are doubting. Now let me pause and just say a little soapbox for a minute. I heard somebody say one time, if you're 99% sure, you're 100% lost. <laughs> Don't ever tell anybody that. It's foolishness. Every person in this room has had doubts. And if you're there thinking you haven't, you're lying. Every person has doubts. There are things we go through in our life that shake us to the core. So don't act pious. and Don't look down on other people and feel like you're stronger and better than them. If you see a brother or sister in the life of our congregation who's struggling with doubts and fears, why don't you put your arm around them if you're a little stronger right now? If you really are, I've never had a doubt. I know Jesus is everything. If, you, if, you, if you've really never had a doubt in your life, then why don't you do the honorable thing and the humble thing and go put your arm around them and love them and encourage them and don't look down on them, but get down where they are and walk with them until they have confidence and grace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Would you do that this year? And if some have mercy, that group that's doubting. And if you're here today... and Man, you say, Pastor, I, I love Jesus and I feel like that guy that Jesus went to. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. If that's how you feel, I want to tell you something. You found the right place to be in. So there's a whole bunch of other people in here. Are we trying to surrender our hearts to Jesus? We're loving Him, walking with Him. 
And we're not perfect. And we're going to walk with you and love you. He found a home. And those in this room that are strong, they're going to love you. They're not going to look down on you. We're going to help each other. Verse number 23 gives you two more groups. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. Lost people. And on some, have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Now, it's tough to find the distinction in verse number 23, but if you were to work through this text for a little while, you would find that um, probably what's going on here is he's saying there are just your everyday common lost people, right? And what's the, what, what's the New Testament say in 1 Corinthians? That some will be saved yet so as by fires. My old English language coming out. Some people will be saved by the skin of their teeth is what they're saying. Hey, go get those folks. Now I know and Jude knows that you're not the one that does the saving, but what he's getting at here is just go out there and tell everybody you can about Jesus and some of those people who are lost and undone and they just lived a life and they never heard about Jesus and they've never been in a church and, and, and just go out there and tell them about Jesus because there really is a real fire out there. There really is a real hell out there and those people need to be saved. But there's also that third group and it's those folks that not only are they lost, but they're really bad people. Right? In your mind, those people you feel they just—they're—they're the closest people to hell there are. I mean, they're just really bad people. Those—those people are Republicans. That's how bad they are. I'm telling. Listen, (laughs) I don't know Democrats as well too. Just get them all mad at me. Hey, there's some of those people out there. There's some of them in your life. There's some at your work. Some in your family. Some out here on these streets. What about those three groups of people? Save them. Doubters. Lost people and really bad people. What's the admonition? Go save them. I'm going to make a few uh, few quick observations on those points, but uh, I think that's a pretty I think that's a pretty simple, basic New Year's morning lesson for us today. Build, pray, keep, save. And say that again for you. Just make that, just, just, just listen to that. Build, pray, keep, save. I want to give you a church as a challenge this year. Uh, I know many of you have uh, all kinds of goals and resolutions, and so I don't, I don't want to weigh you down this year. Okay? I know you've, you've probably broke more than you've kept. And uh, you got all these ones that you're thinking about, and everybody and their brothers writing a blog or doing a podcast or something about some sort of New Year's resolutions. I don't want to weigh you down. I just want to give you uh, just three small challenges. In fact, the last two weeks I've been thinking in my heart uh, about a way to give us a challenge, so that when I give it to you, you would think, "Oh, anybody could do that." But when you leave here, you'd think, "Yeah, but I don't." <laughs> you get that? I want these challenges to be this for you. Well, of course I could do that. Anybody could do that. That is below me. But when you start to think in your mind, you'd say, but I don't. And I want to challenge you to do that. First of all, building yourselves up on your most holy faith really speaks about being with God's people, learning God's Word. It truly is a corporate togetherness around God's Word and church faithfulness. 
So a couple years ago, I gave you this, and I'm just going to kind of tweak it a little bit. Here's what I'd like for you to take the, and embrace this challenge and uh, even give to brothers and sisters that aren't able to be here today. I'd like for you to think about this year being present at church 42 out of 52 Sundays and come on some Wednesday nights as well. <laughs> kind of added that in there this year. I just want you to embrace it. Everybody in here, y'all, well, of course, 42. I mean, that's good night. I could miss a, I could miss a month and a half worth of Sundays and still get to that goal. But I want you to leave here and ask yourself, did you get to that last year? Well, go back and look at your calendar. Did you make it? 42 out of 52 Sundays? Now look, I know my detail-oriented goal crowd in here. Somebody even pointed out to me last week, they said, you know, Pastor, we had a snow day last year, so it was only 51 Sundays. <laughs> okay? I'm not arguing with you. I say, brothers and sisters, I don't have time to preach and teach all about this today, but I want to say, when, when you come to God's house with God's people, first of all, it's the command of Scripture that you're fulfilling. Second of all, you just become in the ebb and flow of the church body. You know what's going on. It always brings a smile to my face after some, after somebody leaves the office, but it always brings a smile to my face when somebody comes in and they say, well, we just need to do this. And I, what I'm thinking when they leave is, well, we've done that the last six Sundays. You just hadn't been here. Just be in the ebb and flow of, of the church life. You know, part of the reason why we gather corporately is to worship the God of heaven and we gather as His body because Jesus died for us. Right. 42 out of 52 Sundays. And, and as far as Wednesday night, look, I know some of you work really long hours and that sort of thing. I would say, look, if you're going to one Wednesday night a month, why don't you just think this year in terms of maybe I could go two a month. If you go two Wednesday nights a month, maybe you could just say, hey, I'm going to try and make it to three. And look, if you don't come to any Wednesday night, why don't you just start by saying, hey, one Wednesday night a month, I could go to church from 6.30 to 7.25. You could do that. 42 out of 52 Sundays. I just want you to think about writing that down. I walk out of here today and say, well, of course, anybody could do that. But do you? Do you? Alright? Here's a second one. In the area of prayer, out here in the foyer, you'll find we have a nice little winter sheet here. It says, Emmanuel Events, Winter 2017. I just grabbed one and bent it in half and put it in my Bible. And this only has about three months at a time. Here's what I'd like for you to consider doing. I'd like for you to consider just praying through um, what's listed on here once a week. Just once a week. I was battling back and forth with the Lord in my mind. I wanted you to pray through it once a day, or once an hour, and the Lord's like, you know what? Hey, let's challenge everybody, but let's, let's be real. Be real in my own life as well too. Now look, everybody in here, you think, well, of course I could take 10 minutes in the course of one week and pray through this. But I just want to ask you in your prayer life this last year, did you pray 10 or 15 or 20 minutes in one week's time over the events that were going on in the life of your church? Did you do that every week? Simple. You could do this in one day or you could do it the course of the whole week. And what do you say, what do you mean by that? Well, fifth Sunday night, sing, Lord, um, 
fifth Sunday night sing. I pray that You'd grace all the musicians. And I know that a lot of our folks love to just come and sing. Would You give us a good night of worship and good camaraderie and fellowship and bless it? And Lord, would You encourage those through that sing? And a connections class on February 5th. Well, Lord, that's, that's for folks that are considering being members of the church. And Would You bring more people that would consider that? And would You help that to be a good day and answer questions and, and save new people? And uh, oh, a visit from Joey Thompson. Well, who is that? Well, he's our church planter in Boston, and he's going to come here and preach March 24th through 26th. Simple. There's the challenge for you. Just pray through this sheet once a week. Anybody can do that, right? I mean, I know you've got time. I know even the busiest person in here. Come on. You've got five minutes, ten minutes, somewhere in your week. Of course you do. But do you? And have you? Say, Pastor Steve, you think, you really think if we, you think if the majority of the church body prayed over these things, it would make a difference? Well, why don't we see? Why don't we see what God will do on Easter? Why don't we see what the Lord will do? with the uh, basketball tournament in March. Valentine's Day. Well, let me give you just one more and we'll finish for today. My heart has been uh, a little heavy. I, I, I did a funeral on uh, Friday evening at 7. Um, nobody in our congregation. And uh, not, even, not even speaking about that funeral, just in general, where I am. And, and can I just say this to you, in, in all, just as a friend, not everyone goes to heaven. Will you just receive that for a moment? I know you're sitting there thinking, well, well yeah, it's what we believe. I cannot tell you how many times I sit with people and the, and the person... I don't know anybody here, but the person that I sit with, they are weaving and thinking and trying as hard as they can to figure out a way that this person that passed away is in heaven. And my heart is very grieved. And I just want you to know not everybody goes to heaven. It's not going to all be all right. We don't all take different ways there. People either come to faith in Jesus Christ or they don't. So my challenge would be for you just to let that sit in your soul for a moment. And here's what I'd like for you to do. Over the course of the next 12 months, I'd like for you to think about just bringing 10 people to church that are not your family. You see how I had, with our people, I had to add that in there because when you got out of town family coming in, I got six in one Sunday, Pastor. Nah, look, look, look. Hey, I get it. I know it's tough. I know it's a struggle. I'm going to do my best too. 
I'm going to encourage you. The church provides four or five really kind of big events during the year. You know, we have the Easter weekend, and we have Vacation Bible School Sunday in the summer, we have homecoming, and Christmas musical time. We, we try and provide some opportunities for that here in the church, but just from week to week, uh, over the course of the next 12 months, I'd like for you just to bring, just try and bring, uh, you know, 10 people to worship. I'd like to, I'd like for you to share the gospel and do all kinds of things and we'll get there. We're going to keep trying to do some trainings and all of that. But I just want you to keep, somebody said to me one time, man, it seems like from Sunday to Sunday, there's always somebody here that we don't know. If you think that just kind of, we fell into that or that happened by accident, you're, you're crazy. We develop a culture here of bringing visitors. And we got to keep doing that every year, every year, every year. Would you take everybody in this world? Of course I could do that. That's less than one person a month. I could, I could, I could do that. I know I could do that. If I put my heart and effort, I know I could do that. But have you done that? I wonder if you'll embrace those challenges this year. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just a moment, we'll stand and sing a song together. And um, hey, while, while you're there and you're just praying, kind of thinking through some of what I said, uh, I realize that what I've given you today is, is pretty simplistic. But I wonder if your heart will be like mine and say, you know, Lord, I say that it's simple. But I think it's a little more difficult to live out than I'm doing wonder if you'll make some needed changes in your life. If you're here and you do not know Christ Jesus, I want you to know that He died for you and rose again. And if you turn from your sin and you put your faith in Christ Jesus, He'll become the sure foundation that you've been looking for. I pray that this 2017 will be a wonderful year in your life, in your family's life, and in the collective life of our church here. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.